What is going on, everyone? I'm your host, Kevin Munoz. This is the Leo Podcast Tech episode where we discuss all things tech. For today's tech episode, I have four juicy stories for you. First up, Apple partners with Goldman Sachs to introduce high-yield savings accounts for Apple Card holders. Our second story, AI scans Hurricane Ian damage to give cash to poorest victims. Our third story, people will throw away about 5.3 billion phones this year. For our fourth and final story, students are using AI to write their papers because of course they are. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it is released, then that means today is Monday, October 17th. And if you want early access to episodes and bonus content, then head over to our patreon.com slash latinamericaneo and become part of our follow Mitas community. But if you are not a patron yet, no worries. You can still enjoy this episode. It's packed with great content. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. For our first story, Apple is taking a significant step towards providing its consumers with more banking options. Apple recently announced that it will work with Goldman Sachs to soon introduce a new savings account feature for users of its Apple Card credit card holders. This feature will allow users to save and grow their daily cash, which is Apple's cash back rewards earned from their Apple Card purchases. According to Apple, cardholders will soon have the option to automatically store this money in a new high-yield savings account from partner Goldman Sachs that is accessible through Apple Wallet. Additionally, customers will be able to deposit their cash into this account. Apple also claims that there won't be any fees, minimum contributions, or balance requirements for the account, making it somewhat competitive in a vast growing space with other neobanks, which for those who haven't heard the term before, neobanks are completely digital, while traditional banks have physical branches coupled with online banking services. It's important to note that Apple did not yet specify in its press release what the interest rate will be paid on these high-yield accounts. According to information from Bankrate, rival institutions are now providing annual percentage yields in the range of 2.20% to 3.05%, and some are even going as high as 3.1%, according to Investopedia statistics. Apple stated that given the current context of especially volatile interest rates, it is not yet ready to release the APY. If you're wondering, Apple Card users will be able to set up and manage their savings account straight in the current Apple Wallet mobile app. From that point forward, all the daily cash they earn through Apple Card purchases will be automatically deposited into this account, unless customers change this to instead have the cash added to their Apple Cash card in their wallet as they do today, an option that can be switched at any time according to Apple. An in-app savings dashboard will display the account balance and interest accrued over time. Currently, Apple pays 3% cash back on Apple Card purchases that are made by using Apple Pay at select merchants. Apple Card purchases will receive 2% cash back when Apple Pay is used and 1% back when the titanium card is used 
or when a virtual card number is used to shop online. However, cardholders won't have to rely on their Apple Card purchases to fund their new savings accounts because Apple also says that customers will be able to deposit additional funds through a linked bank account or their Apple cash balance with the option to also withdraw the cash at any time by transferring it back to the same linked account or any linked bank account or even their Apple cash card without having to pay fees. As for its release, Apple didn't offer an exact launch date for its high yield savings account, saying only that it would arrive in the coming months. And the company said that the savings account feature will ship with an upcoming iOS release. For our second story, a relief agency is using artificial intelligence to identify low income victims of Hurricane Ian and Hurricane Fiona to provide them with emergency cash payments. The nonprofit Give Directly teamed up with Google to identify those most in need of financial support using AI to cross-reference aerial images of storm damage with poverty data in Florida and Puerto Rico. The idea behind this is to go beyond the traditional disaster response from aid charities and government organizations which typically focus on donations like clothing, or food. The idea behind this is to go beyond a traditional disaster response from aid charities and government organizations which typically focus on donations like clothing or food. According to their fundraising page, they currently have enough funding from their partners to deliver cash to several thousand families in the hardest hit regions of Puerto Rico and Florida. As for the amount, a one-time payment of $700 is sent to families which is aimed at covering the cost of common post-disaster recovery items like food, toiletries, and first aid supplies. So if you or a family member or someone that you know has been impacted by the hurricanes, then this is definitely something worthwhile looking into. Give Directly, which was founded by MIT graduates in 2009, has already delivered over $500 million in cash to more than 1 million impoverished people around the world. Right now, there are are a lot of resources and aid for people impacted by the hurricanes so please make use of those resources made available by organizations or governments especially my people of color who are always the most affected by these types of disasters don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this quick break you're listening to the leo podcast i'm kevin munoz support for today's episode comes from my patreons If you enjoy the show and are looking for bonus content and to further support the show, then head on over to patreon.com slash latinamericaneo or visit my website latinamericaneo.org to join the growing Leo podcast community because the learning doesn't stop with this episode. There's also some sick merch on my website, everything from shirts, coffee mugs, and tote bags. All info will be at the bottom in the show notes. Now let's get back to today's episode. For our third story, it is estimated that people will throw away about 5.3 billion phones this year. I've previously talked about the amount of e-waste that we produce and how this impacts children and women in other countries in episode number 53. So if you're interested, go check that out. By now, we're all used to seeing a new model of smartphones coming out every year (coughs) blame apple and their over-the-top events and i gotta be honest if you're someone who loves tech 
These events are always exciting and something to look forward to. They always unveil their new phone models and typically how they have a better camera, faster processing, more storage, better screen, etc. But even for a tech lover like myself, I can't help but think about all this constant smartphone turnover and how bad it is on the environment, especially when it comes to disposing of older phones. There's even a study from 2018 predicting that smartphones and data processing centers will be the most environmentally damaging parts of the communication sectors by 2040. And yes, while there are options for recycling smartphones, phones and other waste electrical and electronic equipment aren't recycled for a variety of reasons. This year alone, an estimated 5.3 billion mobile phones will be thrown out according to the WEE Forum and UN's Global E-Waste Monitor. To give you some context, that many unused phones would rise about 31,000 miles into the air when stacked on top of one another. This is horrible for the environment because when items like laptops and cell phones are thrown into landfills, they leak toxic chemicals. Now you're probably asking yourself, why are there so many electronics that fail to be repaired or recycled? Well, the WEE Forum and the United Nations Institute set out to answer this question themselves. What they found was that the average household contains 74 e-products like phones, tablets, laptops, electric tools, hair dryers, toasters, and other appliances. Of that 74 average total e-products, 13 are being hoarded, meaning 9 go unused but work and 4 are broken. Now, we're all guilty of hoarding electronics, so let's check out the most commonly hoarded items and let me know what you're guilty of hoarding in your home. So the most commonly hoarded electronics are small consumer electronics and accessories like headphones and remote controls, household equipment like clocks, information technology equipment, mobile and smartphones, and equipment for food preparation. I know I definitely have a few headphones and old cell phones, even laptops just sitting in my drawers that I just don't use anymore. Some of the reasons people gave for holding onto these electronics ranged from 46% saying that they might need it in the future, 13% saying it's because of sentimental value, and 1% not seeing any incentive to recycle. So what's your reasoning? I know I definitely fit into 46% of thinking I might need it in the future. Some solutions to this problem of e-waste could be setting universal recycling standards and legal standards, but even this is tough because governments would need to ensure that they enforce these laws and standards by fining those who violate them and not just a small fine, it has to be significant enough to affect their pockets for companies to actually take them seriously. Also, I feel like the incentive for companies and governments to recycle these products is already there because they can recover valuable materials like gold, copper, silver, and palladium. 
video. So if you have any old tech or smartphone that you need to get rid of, the best way to do this is by giving it directly to the phone's manufacturer, a retail store, or even donating it to a charity to be refurbished. You can even upcycle an old cell phone by turning it into an alarm clock, a security camera, or even an e-reader. I don't know about you guys, but all this new technology and e-waste also gets me thinking on a deeper level as our planet becomes more and more technologically advanced. Are we perhaps creating our own downfall because of all the environmental damage that is being done as a result? Or will the very own technology that we invent also find a solution for this? I don't know. Maybe that's a question for another episode. And for our fourth and final story, students are using AI to write their papers. Because hey, why not, right? Tech-savvy students are reportedly getting straight A's by using advanced language generators. And I'm mainly talking about OpenAI's wildly advanced GPT-3 to write papers for them. And apparently, these AI-written responses can't be detected by plagiarism software. A college student who goes by the name of Innovate Rye on Reddit explains how it would be simple assignments that include extended responses for biology when they would be learning about biotech and need to write five good and bad things about biotech. He would send a prompt to the AI by simply inputting what are five good things and bad things about biotech and it would generate an answer that would get him an A. Honestly, I'm not that surprised that this is happening and can't really blame students for using the resources around them. Think about how advanced technology is becoming, and of course, the new generation of kids are the ones to pick up on it the fastest while most adults simply get left behind and don't know how to keep up with it unless their career depends on it. If plagiarism software were capable of flagging AI-made prompts, this probably wouldn't be an issue. But while there's definitely a philosophical debate to be had about whether any AI-generated writing should ever be considered original, it's technically seen as such by plagiarism checking softwares, and it's unclear if or when those systems will ever be able to catch up. If you think about it, the text is not copied from somewhere else. It's produced by a machine, so plagiarism checking software is not going to be able to detect it, and it's not able to pick it up because the text wasn't copied from anywhere else. And of course, you might be thinking, these kids are definitely cheating because they're not doing their own work. So sure, teachers are probably right to be concerned about what this means for learning moving forward. But you can also make the debate that AI is just helping students focus on what they think is important to them, freeing up their busy schedules for things that they would rather dedicate their full attention towards. Let me know what you think about this and if you think students are in the wrong for this, or hey, maybe you even use this for yourself. Or even more interesting, I think it would be to get a teacher's point of view on this. So if you're a teacher, I'd love to bring you on the podcast or maybe just send me a voice memo or DM on your thoughts about how technology is changing student learning in the education system. That's all for today on the Leo podcast. I'm Kevin Munoz. And as always, feel free to send me a message with your thoughts or with any interesting topic that you'd like to see covered. And for those of you on Patreon, I'll see you in the bonus episode. Otherwise, I will see you all in next week's episode. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a family or a friend and rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps tremendously in order to bring more awareness and educational resources to our community. For more information and to stay up to date with what I'm doing, you can follow me on Instagram at Latinoamericaneo. And if you need more information and resources, you can visit my website, latinoamericaneo.org. I'm Kevin Munoz. This has been the Leo Podcast, and I'll see you next time.